Market View on Money FM 89.3. Regional markets across the Asia-Pacific could be in for a rockier end to a rather memorable year, and headwinds are not short from tech crackdowns in the in China and property woes, rising interest rates, and persistent COVID-19 uncertainties still weighing on regional markets. But it might just be a matter of putting more effort into finding opportunities out there, and there are there seems to be opportunities still abounding in the Asia-Pacific space. Where can we find these, and how might we go about doing so? Well, today on Money FM 89.3. We're pleased to be joined by HSBC's Chief Asia Equity Strategist, Mr. Harold Vanderlin, all the way from Hong Kong, to help us understand what HSBC's outlook is and how they might go about finding some of these opportunities from the bottom up. Mr. Vanderlin, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to meet you and glad to hear you and your loved ones are still safe and in good health during these times. Welcome to the show, sir. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, greetings from uh, Hong Kong. All right. So, Harold, you know, it seems that Asian markets aren't short of headwinds in the second half of the year. You can take a look at some of the uncertainties coming out of mainland China, a possible slowdown in the world's second largest economy, rising rate environments, COVID-19 uncertainties still not abating two years into the pandemic. What is HSBC's outlook now for the region as we approach, uh, the, as we go deeper into the fourth quarter? Are things as uncertain or as as dim as uh, some might paint it, or are there's still reasons perhaps to smile about the markets. I think there's good reasons to smile, actually. Um, basically, yes, there, there are headwinds, so we should not ignore that. The dollar is stronger, that's not good for Asian equities. China growth, uh, we know, is weaker. China is struggling also in the property sector. You guys, without doubt, have also talked about that. Uh, that's all pretty well known. I mean, that, that's all reflected in prices. And this is where my optimism lies. Most people um, don't have that much money in Asian equities. Most funds are underway China. Uh, everybody's being really cautious, and for good reasons. And to be honest, uh, we're, we were in the camp as well. But I think this is actually the time to say, hey, we should, we, should be, we should not be too negative. There are good opportunities out there, and I think you should be looking at Chinese equities, for example, and ASEAN equities actually as well. Those are the two areas I, I think that's where the greatest opportunities lie. In fact, uh, Harold, I remember that HSBC was a little cool towards Chinese equities until recently. In fact, it was just, a, I believe, just a, a day or two ago where you, where you folks actually upgraded your outlook on China to overweight. What convinced you folks to change your stance on China over the last 24 to 48 hours? No, uh, that is right. We've been cool actually for about a year on Chinese equities. And um, we were very cautious on, on China Internet from November last year. And... Uh, well, that has worked well, but I mean, there were, from November to February, actually, those stocks continue to very higher. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, we've been cautious on China for a variety of reasons, but initially that was really because the expectations 12 months ago were extremely high. Stocks traded 40 times PE uh, or 50 times PE. Yeah, there's expectations that there's going to be very good growth coming through. And you can easily not meet those expectations. You get a deal rating. Now, what then, of course, happens, and uh, without doubt, you guys, we talked about it. China growth is slowing. We've had issues in the property sector. We've had all kinds of other issues with electricity, uh, regulations, uh, a complete onslaught. But I think we're now at a bit of a, an inflection point, I would almost say. And that's what caused me to change my mind. The valuations are low. Everybody's underweight on China. All the news from China is really bad. But how much worse can it really get? And isn't that really reflected in prices already? And what if the upside suddenly emerges, which is they do a bit of stimulus. They're trying to stabilize things. Uh, and suddenly people flow back in Chinese equities. Now, before you know it, you get a re-rating, and, uh, and, and things look much uh, better again. So, uh, yeah. 
So we've, we, we've upgraded China uh, equities to an overweight in, in Asian equities. So it seems this might be the time to head back towards Chinese equities. We're still speaking to Harold Vanderlind, the HSBC Chief Asia Equity Strategist here on Money FM 89.3. Harold, before I get into your outlook for ASEAN markets, because you did, you did actually state that uh, the outlook on ASEAN markets is generally, is generally a good one, your outlook for Singapore markets remains rather neutral, especially with the Straits Times Index seeing that solid start to the mm-hmm. year. Somewhere, Harold, it as the com- comeback kid for markets across the Asia Pacific. Why has your stance been relatively neutral or a bit lukewarm to Singapore markets? And what else, apart from the banks, can we find opportunities for markets here? Yeah, yeah. Well, first, uh, we, we liked Singapore before, and that was because bond yields were rising. And uh, as bond yields and interest rates rise, that's good stuff for property uh, and, uh, or, or sorry, uh, banks. That's good mm-hmm. stuff, uh, good news for banks because banks. Basically, yeah, they take your deposits and reinvest it, right? And if that reinvestment rate is higher, yeah, they make a little bit more money out of that. Um, so that we like that. But the reason why we are a bit more cautious in Singapore right now is actually got nothing to do too much, to be honest, with Singapore. Um, uh, bond yields, we think, will decline again. So that's not necessarily not so good for banks. But the, the reason really is that some of the other markets, in particular in ASEAN, start to look really interesting. Um, Indonesia, uh, for, for a long time ever, it's got a lot of things going for it. People underweight, valuations are cheap, growth is recovering. There's uh, investments coming into Indonesia that stabilizes the currency there a little bit. So, yeah, that's, that's helping that market. So it's actually more that, that some of the other markets for the, for the moment look a little bit better. Mm. And um, that's why we like these markets a bit, uh, a bit better as well. All right. So going deeper into that outlook for ASEAN markets, apart from Indonesia, which ones are you monitoring more closely? As we know, no two markets across the ASEAN are the same and the economies can be very different when you compare the various major countries here. Absolutely. I think you're making a very good point here. Um, Particularly in ASEAN, the markets are all very different. Actually, I, I just published a book, funny enough, in Singapore, uh, uh, on Asian stock markets called from the ground up. You, you don't look at these markets from the top down and say, hey, this is what the macro is. No, you look at it, what do these companies really do and what is the outlook there? And then you find actually big differences in these uh, in these markets. As I said, I think uh, uh, Indonesia in particular looks, uh, looks pretty good. I think ASEAN markets have been ignored a little bit. Uh, a lot of money has flown into India. That's really expensive. So on a relative basis, ASEAN and China look really cheap then. Um, uh, and then, yeah, you look at individual banks. Uh, you look at some of the tech companies that are listing in, uh, in ASEAN. Uh, uh, the domestic consumer names look pretty good. Uh, a lot of the COVID numbers are easing out. So, yeah, some of the staples companies and consumer discretionary companies look a little bit better as well. So, uh, yeah, from the ground up, as I said, uh, which is also the title of the book, but from the ground up, mm-hmm. there's actually a lot of value to be found in those markets. In fact, when you say ground up, it almost sounds like you're making a clarion call towards bottom-up approaches, and that is this very salient and very uh, time-tested way at looking for stocks, but it, it can be very time-consuming for the retail investor. And when talking about finding yeah. opportunities from the ground up, how are you folks screening for these opportunities? What's your approach when you start to look for an efficient way to look for some of these ground-up opportunities, Harold? So this is um, uh, this is a very good point because it is easy for me to say, listen, you need to look at these markets from the ground up. And I think, in particular in Asia, this is more important than, for example, the US or Europe. Um, uh, but I have uh, 150 analysts uh, sitting across the region that I can mm-hmm. contact and, and get access to the idea. If you're a retail investor, how do you do that, right? 
you don't have the time to sit down every evening to, uh, to, to scroll through all these stocks. I think the way to do this is to do two things. First of all, you take a long-term view. Don't try to time the market too much because that will keep you extremely busy. And, and all sorts of research has shown that actually in the long run, that doesn't really work too much. Uh, also, the cost that you incur. Um, uh, just go for, for example, diversified ETF. And secondly, think the- thematic. What is, what, is, what is stuff that we know in 10 years' time will continue? For example, we know that certain populations will grow. So you look at demographics. We know that certain technologies will rise. We know that probably U.S. and China are going to continue to intensify their rivalry and that China is trying to protect certain domestic industries in order yeah, to be self-reliant in that. So they're going to invest in that. So you're talking about the renewable energy, you're talking about semiconductor equipment and that kind of stuff. Now, thinking about those themes, and actually this is my whole book I've written for retail investors, mm-hmm. to highlight those themes and how you identify the stocks around it, then you can say, hey, maybe the thematic ETFs that you can buy, or maybe some of these stocks uh, that, that you can buy. And uh, uh, it is for retail investors, I think, sometimes more difficult than, than for people like us, because we have access to so many resources. That's why I try to put that book together um, in order to, to, to make that very clear to these investors. Mm-hmm. Don't try to be too smart on trading, but think about the longer term trends, invest in those, stick with it. If possible, go to uh, an ETF or something like that, or maybe a fund that you can find somewhere. Right, and very quickly, Harold, before we end this very interesting conversation, I do want to know, we, we still have a handful of those risks and headwinds to watch out for. What are the bigger risks you're monitoring as we near the end of this year? Yeah, so I said I'm optimistic. People uh, are too negative, I think, and throwing a little bit the, 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 the baby out with the bathwater, right? But mm-hmm. there are always risks, and I, these risks are, I would say, twofold. There's risk that Things go really good in the U.S. Their interest rates do go up much more than what currently anybody's expecting. The markets are already expecting that these rates go up. But if some real big numbers are coming out, uh, you could see that the dollar strengthens, for example. So the U.S. dollar strengthens, right? So then all the Asian currencies would weaken. That would not be so good for equity markets. I don't think that risk is really high to be extremely frank, but uh, you've got to keep an eye on it. But then, of course, it is. We like China, as I just mentioned, and uh, it could well be that things in China are more troublesome and that growth is going to be much weaker than expected. Again, I don't think it's a big risk. It's a risk I'm willing to take at the moment. But, yeah, you've got to keep an eye on that. So we have to look at how that uh, develops. All right. Um, and then I think there's a disparity in markets and flow. Where there's a lot of money gone into India and a whole lot of China. That needs to reflow and, and rebalance a bit. And uh, that, that can be disorderly. So we get to keep an eye on that as well. All right. Harold Vanderlind, HSBC's chief Asia equity strategist and author of the new book, Stock Markets from the Ground Up, Asia Stock Markets from the Ground Up. Uh, I'd like to thank you That's for right. taking time uh, to join us today on Money FM 89.3 to lay out HSBC's outlook for the end of the year for markets in the region. As always, Harold, I wish you and your loved ones continued safe and safety and good health during these uncertain times. We look forward to next time you can join us on the show. Good afternoon, sir, and have a great Tuesday ahead. You too. Have a good chance of that, and thanks for having me on the show. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.